What a wonderful, wonderful song and talented young man. Thank you so much. It is so good to see you this morning. Uh, we appreciate this opportunity uh, beyond any of your imagination and just being able to be back at Woodland Hills, uh, this place. And I don't want to get started because I get emotional, uh, but this place has always been special to us. From the very beginning when we first started coming, when Brother Charles first became pastor here, uh, my wife loved this place. She was so looking forward to uh, being here this week and uh, being able to see the new building, the children building, and to see what God was doing here. I shared with the folks last night that we we didn't lose her. She passed away six months ago. This coming Tuesday. And, uh, but it was overwhelming to see the whole staff at her funeral. There was no doubt in my girl's mind uh, who was going to preach it and who was going to sing it. Uh, Judell would always go home on Sunday and the very first thing she would do that was back when Brother Charles used to tape all the music and uh, put it on Facebook, and she couldn't wait to get home uh, to listen to the music of Woodland Hills. She loved Eric. She used to call him her son, and just, just so much of this staff meant so much to her. And so uh, we're honored to be back. We're honored to be here, and I extend my love for my two daughters as well to you, because you church have been so good to us, and we thank you so much. I know that you didn't come to hear my story. You came to hear the Lord's story. Good to see Brother Allen with us today, uh, hero of the faith and evangelism. We thank the Lord for him as well. So if you have your Bible today, I want you to turn me to the book of Mark, chapter 2. I've titled the message today, What a Difference That Jesus Makes, and He Certainly Makes a Tremendous Difference, amen? I appreciate that wonderful testimony of Cody and, and Carrie's as they shared about the life that God had blessed them with the change that he brought. What a tremendous difference. Beginning in verse 1, it reads as this. And again he entered into Capernaum after, again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. If he's not in the house, the house is not worth going to. Amen. The Bible says, except the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. If he's not in the house, the house is not worth going to. And it was noise that he was in the house. See, I believe that whatever's on the inside is eventually going to come out on the outside. And so the Bible said it was noise that he was in the house. Now listen to the next verse. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. I love that. I've often said that when I was in seminary, I thought when I got out that 
as I became a pastor that all I had to do was open the Bible and just preach verse by verse and everybody would want to hear until I became a pastor. Then I realized that everybody wanted the Word as long as the Word didn't pertain to them. Amen? See, when I was a pastor, I realized that when I preached about commitment, it wasn't those that were committed that would get angry. It was those that didn't want to be committed. When I preached about witnessing, it wasn't those out there in the oil field winning their co-workers to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was those sitting in the church that never witnessed to anyone that got angry. When I preached about faithfulness, it wasn't that little widow lady that every time the doors were open, she was always in her place, but it was those that didn't want to be faithful that would get angry. But folks, I'm more convinced today than I've ever been before that we don't need partial truth, we need whole truth. And sometimes the very truth that we don't want to hear is the very truth that we need the most. And so the Bible said that he preached the word unto them. See, it's not important this week of what I say, but it is important what God's word says. Amen? So the Bible said that he was in the house and he preached the word unto them. Now notice what it says in verse 3. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was bored or carried a four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof from where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed when the sick of the palsy laid. Now watch this. And Jesus saw their faith. He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sin but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason you these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thy house. Now listen to this verse, verse 12. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We've never saw it on this fashion. Another translation says he saw a road. They marveled simply saying, we've never seen anything like this. You see, my friend, I believe that's the difference that Jesus makes in a person's life. Amen? I mean, just as this wonderful couple a moment ago. My friend, the lost world would simply have to look and simply say, I've never seen anything like this before. The change that God has brought into their life. But I want to look at this passage of Scripture in this light. I want to talk about the man that was sick of the palsy. I want to talk about the four that went after him. I want to talk about the forgiveness, the challenge, the forgiveness and restoring that he received, and then ultimately his testimony. Let's look at the man for just a moment. You say, well, there's not much said about him, only that there was one sick of the palsy. No, I believe that much more is said. As a matter of fact, as I said a moment ago over at Mason Creek, I believe that every single one of us can identify this individual because I believe that every one of us know somebody like this man because I believe that here was a man 
that had probably more than likely gone to every doctor looking for a cure, uh, a cure for the disease that he had. Every doctor must have told him the same thing, that he wasn't going to get any better, that as a matter of fact, he was going to continuously get worse. You and I read in Scripture here where now he's bedridden. And I imagine knowing people that at first people would come by and visit and visit and visit. But one by one, those visits quit coming. And as this man laid there upon that bed, I believe loneliness began to set in. I believe that here was a man that felt like that he was incurable, that he would never get any better, that nobody cared, and that as a matter of fact, even though he would never say it with his lips, he thought in his heart, if this is all there is to life, I just soon die than live. Do you know someone like that? They're all around us. Some of them are our neighbors. Some are our co-workers. But there's people all around us today that are simply in this same situation. Oh, they may not be sick of the palsy, but we have a world today that is hurting. We have a world of people today that are lonely. We have a world of people today that feel like that some way, somehow, that they're incurable and that life is not worth living. They're all around us. All around us. Hurting people. Lonely people. There are some of those that may be right here in this room today that you're hurting. Oh, you're smiling on the outside but you're crying on the inside. You're lonely. You feel like that some way, somehow, that you're not going to get any better. That as a matter of fact, that next week will be as bad, if not worse, than what last week was. Did you know that behind the walls of many homes today, there are people that wish that Monday would never, ever come because they feel like that it's going to be as bad, if not worse, than what last week was. But you see, there's good news. Jesus was in the house. Now, you and I know that Jesus spoke like no other man had ever spoken before. That as a matter of fact, he spoke about things that nobody had ever spoken about. He talked about life and, and life abundantly and, and eternal life. He talked about water, living water. He said, whoever drinketh of this water out of his innermost shall flow rivers of living water. He talked about peace. He said, my peace I give unto you, not according to the world, but my peace. Let not your heart be troubled. I don't know, but I just wonder. I, I love to just take my imagination and, Pray that God will let it run wild and it would be biblical. But I've often thought, I just wonder that maybe as he spoke that day that there were a couple of men standing around and they said, you know what, oh, so-and-so, I, I wish he was here today to hear what this man had to say. Because I really believe that this man has the answer for his life. So I used to go and he was so negative that I, I got to where I didn't even want to go down there anymore, but if he could just hear this man. The other man says, yeah, but you know he's bedridden and there's no way for him to get here. And Maybe there were a couple of other men standing around and 
They said, well, you know, back there in that closet we got, there's a cot back there, and, and said, we could get that cot, and we could go down there, and we could put him on that cot and bring him down here. Because I really believe that this man has the answer for his life. They said, let's go. They take that cot, and I don't know. They go down to his house, and they walk into the bedroom, and they said, we got good news today. He said, what? They said, Jesus is in the house. He said, so? They said, no, we're talking Jesus, man. We're talking like no other man that you've ever heard before. And he's talking about things that nobody else has ever talked about. And said, he's the answer for what you're looking for. We've come down, and we're going to put you on this cot, and we're going to take you down to the church house. He must have said, I don't want to go. And they said, but, but you're going. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, he said, that, that may be all right for you, but it wouldn't work for me. Has anyone ever told you that when you tried to explain to them what Jesus could do? But they wouldn't take no for an answer. He put him on the cot, and, and I imagine all the way down to the building, they're building him up. You know, we just heard just the other day that, 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 that there was this little boy with loaves and fishes, and, and he took it and he fed 5,000 men besides the women and children. You know, they say the other day that he was in this boat and there was a storm, and he just stood up and spoke to the wind, and the wind died. They say just the other day that there was the opportunity that he had that was manned by sitting by the roadside that cried out and he commanded him to be called and he asked him, he said, what do you want? And he said, I may receive my sight and his eyes were open. He said, today's your day. Well, you know the story. The Bible says that when they got him there, they couldn't get in. As a matter of fact, they were so filled that they couldn't even get in the door. Have you ever thought who was the first one that said anything? The guy on the cot. He must have said, I told you so. I told you I didn't want to come. I told you it wasn't going to work. I told you. But you know what they said? They said, if we can't get him in one way, we'll get him in another. We'll take him to the roof, and we'll lower him from the roof. I imagine the man on the bed says, I don't want to go. He said, you ain't got a choice. See, folks, they didn't give up. It would have been easy at that moment to say, well, you know, we tried. Well, it would have worked, but, you know, next time. But they didn't take no for an answer because they believed in their heart that Jesus was what this man needed. They get to the roof and they break up the roof to lower him down. And as I've often said that you and I know that it doesn't matter what the roof was made of. Some say, well, it could have been straw or clay. It doesn't really matter. I mean, they're making a hole to lower a man on a bed down into the presence of Jesus. And I believe uh, whenever they begin to break through that roof that no matter how careful they were, something had to fall from above. 
And when something began to fall, whether it was straw or whether it was some clay or whatever it was, I mean, you've got to remember the room is filled. Jesus is speaking. He spoke like no other man had ever spoken before, every eye upon him. And then all of a sudden, something begins to fall from the ceiling. What do you think the people did? Very obvious. They all looked up to see what was falling. Now, when Jesus noticed he didn't have their attention, if they were all looking up instead of looking at him, what do you think Jesus did? He looked up to see what they were looking at. And what did he see? He saw four little shiny faces holding this cot, lowering him right down into his presence. And the Bible says, and when he saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. My friend, I stand here to remind you that you and I will never do anything for God that God will not honor. Now listen to this. He may not honor it the way you want him to honor it, but he will honor it. Because you see, the way you and I may want him to honor it is so that we can get the credit. But it's not about us, it's all about him. You see, God knows every nursing home that you've ever visited. God knows every hospital room that you've ever walked in. God knows every dime that you've ever given. God knows every person you've ever witnessed. And no matter what you've ever done for God, God has honored your effort. So he looks up, and because of their faith and their willingness to do what they've done, the Bible said that he said to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee. Wow. That was his greatest need. It wasn't to be cured. It was to be forgiven. See, that's what's wrong with the world today. They don't know what they're looking for. Have you noticed that? I mean, you have some people say, well, to make you happy. People say, well, if I could just win the lottery. My friend, I want to tell you, I've known rich people that wasn't happy. Somebody say, well, if I could just build a big house, my friend, I could take you behind walls of big houses that the people are not happy. You can say, well, if I could just have a new automobile, my friend, I've known people that have good, nice automobiles that are not happy. Because, you see, you and I was not created in the image of this world. We were created in the image of God. But through Adam and Eve, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. You see, the greatest need in every one of our lives is to know him, to be forgiven of our sins, to be brought into that image of what God created for you and I to be, to have fellowship with God. So the very first thing he did, he forgave him of his sins. That's man's greatest need. I believe that if you would have asked Cody today and after the service, he would tell you that the greatest joy in his life was being saved. I've never met a Christian that was truly saved have ever told me they were sorry that they ever got saved. Isn't that amazing? You see, that's our greatest need is for our sins to be forgiven, to be able to break the bondage of sin that so engulfed us. I said a moment ago in the sermon that I remember I wasn't saved till I was 28, but 
I remember before that how that at the age of 25, 26, 27, I was constantly turning over leaves in my life. You know what that means. It means that I'd get to some place in my life and I'd say, I'm not going to do that no more. I'm going to quit that. Only to find that 30 days later I was right back doing the same thing over again. You see, I couldn't stop because I had an old nature. But thanks be unto God, I don't have that nature anymore. I've become a new creature. All things passed away. Behold, all things become new. My sins have been washed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. Let me hurriedly say that not only was he forgiven, but notice this. There were two sitting there reasoning in their hearts. You know what that means? That just means that they were thinking. They didn't say anything. They're reasoning. They're thinking. And notice what they're thinking. They said, who is this man that speaks blasphemy? said, there's no man that can forgive sin but God only. Now think about that. Now before you jump on them, think about this. Jesus is a new guy on the block. Jesus had just come into his own. And here he stands and he looks at a man on a, that's, that's on a bed and as they're lowering him down, he looks up and he says, thy sins are forgiven. They're thinking in their hearts. They said, who is that guy that thinks he can stand up there and say, your sins are forgiven? Today ain't nobody can forgive sin but God only. Now here comes the scary part. Jesus knew what they were thinking. See, he knows what you're thinking. If you don't like me, he knows that. So you better change your thinking, amen? But he knew what they were thinking. And so, so, so they still ain't said nothing. So he goes over to them and he says, look, let me ask you a question. Now catch this question. He says, is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins are forgiven, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk? Now, the answer's obvious. The answer's obvious. They're sitting there now thinking, hey, anybody can say your sins are forgiven. How are we going to know? That's like me saying, yours is yours. No, yes, yes. No, no, yes, no. Hey, nobody know. But he says, so that you may know that I am who I say I am. He turns to the sick of the palsy, says, pick up your bed and walk. And immediately he arose. Wow! There's the whole gospel. My friend, listen, we take the gospel, we make it so complicated when it's yet so simple that Jesus said even a child could understand it. Listen, why did Jesus come to this world? Hello? Born of a virgin? Lived a sinless life, but yet died upon a cross? Was buried three days, arose from the grave, ascended to heaven, one day coming to kill? Why? You and I know. He came in order to die for your sins and for mine. We owed it, but he paid it. We deserved it, but he took it 
so that you and I could be forgiven. Amen? You're with me? But that's not all. Here's the good part. He also came so we wouldn't have to stay where we were. Wow. Aren't you glad you're not the same person you used to be? Oh, I imagine Cody would say, amen to that, amen? I mean, we stand up and we give glory to God for the difference that he makes in people's lives. Because why? Because they are no longer what they used to be. God didn't leave them there. He picked them up and made them new creations. So the Bible says he was restored. Immediately he arose, and he took up the bed, went before them all, insomuch that they glorified God, saying, we've never saw it on this fashion. See, I believe that's the testimony. I believe that's the difference that Jesus Christ makes in a person's life. I believe that when the world looks at you and I, there ought to be such a difference in us that they would just simply say, I, I, I've never seen a person like this. I've never seen a person like this. Wow. Folks, I, I, I can't help but get excited about the difference that Jesus makes in my life. I, I, I pray I never get over it. I never get over it. And I know, folks, I, I've been in a lot of church. People think I'm weird. That's okay. I remember when I was preaching one time in Fort Worth, and, and my little granddaughter, I don't know if she was five, six, my son-in-law was in seminary. We went out to eat after church one night, and, and we were sitting there at a table, and, and my little granddaughter, she said, Papa? I said, what? She said, Papa, you weird. <laughs> I, I, I said, well, what do you mean? She said, Papa. That our preacher don't move around. And she said, Papa, our preacher don't holler. She said, Papa, you are weird. And I told my granddaughter, I, I, I said, darling, let me tell you, I, I, I may be weird, but, 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 but listen, I, I hope I get a whole lot worse. Amen? My friend, if you cannot get excited, if this world cannot see a difference in your life, then there is something wrong in your life. Here was a man that probably didn't even want to live. And Jesus gave him new life and broke the bondage of sin. And you tell me that this man, see, I, I, I think it was a long time so they could even get a hold of this guy, Amen. Can you imagine how he left? I, I, I mean, after he got up off the bed, he looked around and thought, is this all there is to it, you know? Well, I always tell them, oh, boys, thank you. Thank you all for bringing me down here. And he starts out the door. Do you think that's the way that man acted? Man, I, I think the guy got up off that bed, and, and he was running around, hugging and crying and tears rolling, and he was jumping up and down. I, I think it took 30 minutes just to get a, get, get a hold of him. But folks, you know why the world doesn't want what we have? It's because we look too much like that first guy. 
We look around, is this all there is to church? You know what I mean? On Sunday night we get up and we say, are we going to church? Do we have to go to church? Folks, I want to tell you we ought to want to go to church. Amen? Shouldn't be a have-to thing. Shouldn't be a want-to thing. Because of the difference that he made in us. I don't know where you are today. Folks, I can honestly, truthfully tell you, I, 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 no matter where I preach on Sunday morning, I know I'm preaching to hurting people. I know I'm preaching to struggling people. I know I, I, I'm, I'm speaking to people that you've had a difficult week. Oh, you, you're smiling on the outside, but you're crying on the inside. I just want to tell you today that Jesus is all you need. Whatever you need in your life today, he's the answer. It's not me. It's not an evangelist. It's, it's not a denomination. It's not even a building. It's a relationship with a God that is alive. He loves you. He cares about you. Maybe you're here today and you're that person. Maybe you're that person that's here today that didn't even want to be here. And the only reason you're here is because somebody drug you down here. I got good news for you. Jesus is in this place. He's here. What you're looking for, I want to tell you, he's your only hope. He's your only answer. There's not many ways to heaven. There's only one way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man shall see the Father except by me. And maybe today your greatest need in this place is a personal relationship with the Lord. My friend, I want to tell you something. There's a difference in knowing about God and knowing God through a personal relationship with Jesus. You can have it all in your mind, but never experience it in your heart. And maybe you're sitting here today and your heart's empty. It's never been fulfilled. You've never come back into that image of what God created you to be in fellowship with him. Sin had marred you. You say, whoa, you're picking on me. No, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none, not, none righteous, no, not one. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. We're all sinners. But through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven. And maybe your greatest need is today is simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you died. You were buried, you rose the third day. That if I would repent of my sins and invite you into my life, I can be a new creature. I don't have to stay where I am anymore that I can get up and rise and become a new person. Maybe today that's your need. Thirdly, maybe you're here today and you love it here, you, you attend here, and, and folks, there's not a greater place than to be here, but you've never joined here. This church needs you. This is one church that, my friend, and I, I know there's a lot of good churches. I, I know that. But this is one of the churches that God is truly using. 
God has blessed you with the most marvelous staff that any church could ever have. God has provided for you time after time after time when you couldn't see how God was going to provide, but God met the need. This church is a church that has honored God, and God has honored the church. And God has brought you here. But you've never joined here. Let me ask you why. Because I believe that every Christian needs to be plugged in. I mean, we're, I'll be honest with you. I'm one of those evangelists that believes that your membership needs to be where you live. And we attend our church in Seguin. We give to our church in Seguin. I love my pastor. I pray for my pastor. I believe that's the way it ought to be. But if I was not a member of my church, and if I lived here in Longview, Texas, I want to tell you this would be the first place that I would join. Because this is a great place. Filled with great people. Serving a great God. But some of you haven't joined. This church needs you. And I'm going to ask you to make that commitment today. I'm going to ask you to walk down this aisle in a moment and take one of these staff members by the hand and say, this time I become a part. It's a time that I get active in that building. It's time that I get in active, uh, become active in, in the ministry of what this church is doing. And it's time for you to come. So whether it's to be saved, whether it's to rededicate your life, or whether it is to come and become a part of a church, I'm going to ask you to come today. I'm not going to beat you down this aisle. I'm just going to trust that God will speak to your heart and you'll ask him the courage to do what you need to do. So it's not a question of not knowing what to do. It's a question, will you do it? And I'm going to ask you to do it today, this morning. There's a place for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. God, thank you for this staff. And God, I pray today that, God, that you would speak to our heart and give us courage to respond to what we heard. God, there's someone here today that needs to be saved. God, there's somebody here today that needs to rededicate their life. There's somebody here today that needs a church home. So God, I pray that on the very first verse, they'll not wait, but on the very first verse that they'll step out and walk down this aisle and take one of these ministers by the hand and say today, God has spoken to me. God, they, they don't respond to me. God, they respond to you. God, they're not coming for me. God, they're coming for you. I pray today that you give them courage to make that decision. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand. Staff will be here to receive you. I'm going to ask you to come as we sing. Just as I am without Will you come? one plea, but that what are you waiting for? Was shed 
say, yes, Lord. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, Lord. come from the heart today. You may have walked in here today and your greatest need today is just to know Him. Your greatest need today may be just for Him to wrap His arms around you today and say as I said last night that you're not forgotten. God hasn't left you. God has a place for each and every one of us. No matter who you are. Maybe that's your greatest need today. You came in lonely. But you need to leave here today knowing that you're loved. Maybe you came here today and God wants you to become a part of a family. A family that will love you. A family that will embrace you. A family that doesn't look for flaws but a family that looks for the good in people. Maybe you need that family today. We're going to just sing one more verse and I'll, I'll turn it over to Brother Charles. You see, if Brother Charles would have said, Brother Herman, you got to have this decision or that decision or this amount or that amount, I would have never come. I mean, in 40 years of ministry, because I know how to manipulate people. I know how to get people down an aisle. Just pull on your heartstrings. Oh, you see, I want it to come from your heart. I want it to be real. And when it's real, my friend, I want to tell you, it'll be forever. I'm going to just sing one more verse, and I'm going to turn it over to Brother Charles. If God's speaking to your heart, come on, right now. Just as I am, I
God's people said, amen, amen. I want to tell you, I was thinking about that old gospel song. I just feel like something good is about to happen. I think it's on its way, folks. I think that you need to be here tonight, whatever you can, mark it off. Especially, don't forget children. If you have 25 children here, we pie Christy. If we have 50, we pie Brother Case and Christy. If we have 75, we pie Christy, Brother Case, Brother Herman. And if we have 3,000, we pie Brother Charles. So we're in this thing, man. Amen. We're in this thing. You want to be a part of this service tonight. We're going to have a great time. Now, listen, I'll make you this promise. We're starting sharply at 630. That's one thing Brother Aaron does, man, right on time. We start and, uh, and then we will be out of here before dark. We'll be out of here before dark. And I've already shared some. Don't come up whining to me about, well, my kids got to be in bed because I've watched your kids play Little League out there at 11 o'clock and still get up and go to school the next morning. So don't bring that rot up in here to me. All right? You be in the house of God. We're, we're going to have a time this week. I'm just telling you, I feel like it's going to be something. So it's going to be great. All right. Okay. We have this morning Stephanie uh, McCarroll. And uh, Stephanie has been coming to Mason Creek, and uh, uh, I guess my preach is not strong enough out there. Come on up here, Stephanie. <laughs> she overslept and came here this morning and said, this is the place I want to be, right here. So she's been saved and knows the Lord. Would you welcome her as a member of Woodland Hills? Amen. Who do you know best here? Nicole Davis. Nicole? Where you, uh, and Angelica Brock. Come on down here. Well, she got me here. Who did? Angelica. Angelica, Brock. come on down here. <laughs> come on down. Oh, thank you. And uh, all right. And then, uh, and then uh, we've got Zach. Zach, come on down right here. And family, you can join too also. Uh, Zach comes this morning and uh, had the joy of baptizing uh, Tasha last week. And now this week, Zach comes and says, I want to invite Christ into my heart and make him Lord and Savior in my life. No? Family together. Oh, the family's joining. You've already been saved and baptized. Okay. Okay. Then don't ever accept Christ as personal. Check that again. Yeah, all right. There, you, you don't understand that there. Oh, yeah. Hey. Listen, if you think 